0: The consensus in Congress on possible intervention in Syria will be heavily influenced by three people, all former presidential candidates and senators. John Kerry, now Secretary of State, former senator from Massachusetts. President Obama, of course, former senator from Illinois. And the man he defeated in 2008, Senator John McCain of Arizona. Todd Zwilich has been speaking to Senator John McCain. Both he and Senator Lindsey Graham had a face-to-face meeting with President Obama yesterday. You might have seen both of them emerging from the White House, encouraged by what they heard. Todd Zwilich caught up with Senator McCain and asked why.
1: Because the president stated that uh, he would be, as a policy, increasing the capabilities of the Free Syrian Army by getting them the weapons that they need and uh, also degrading uh, Bashar Assad's capabilities to deliver chemical weapons, which would then degrade his ability to deliver any kind of weapon. <clears throat> so I think it, was, uh, it would be very, extremely important in changing the equation on the ground. And that's what we need to do. Right now, Bashar Assad is winning. We need the Free Sy- Syrian Army to win.
2: Um, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate voted three months ago. TO INCREASE ARMS, AS YOU'VE ADVOCATED. IT REALLY HASN'T HAPPENED. I KNOW YOU'RE AWARE OF THAT. WHY NOW WILL THE PRESIDENT TELLING YOU, WE'RE GOING TO DO IT? WHAT'S GOING TO CHANGE, EVEN THOUGH THAT
1: WAS PASSED BEFORE? Well, that's why I've withheld my support to actually see what happens. You're right. Not one single weapon provided by the United States of America to the Free Syrian Army has, has happened. They gave them a bunch of MREs that were about to expire. Uh, so it really has been disgraceful. Meanwhile, arms are flown in daily from Russia and from Iran, uh, giving them a tremendous uh, uh, battlefield advantage.
2: There are a lot of unnamed To be fair, unnamed White House officials talking to correspondents saying that what the White House really wants out of the situation, what they have wanted, is stalemate. Uh, ma- a managed stalemate. Uh, Assad, of course, is an enemy, but he's a well-known enemy. He's predictable. The Israelis know him. The elements uh, in the rebel alliance, if you can call it that, are unpredictable. Some are al-Qaeda. Um, do, do you think that that calculation has changed within the administration, that a stalemate is now something they're moving off of, or is that still the policy?
1: I don't know, but it's a myth to say we don't know who the Free Syrian Army are. They control a, a large par- area, They and they're doing the real fighting. Al-Nusra and the jihadists are trying to impose Sharia law in the areas that they're in. We know who they are. We can get the weapons to them. The Saudis have successfully. Um, And then you ask about the moral dimension of this. You have to. Are we willing to sit by... And watch uh, what has happened, continue to happen. A million children are refugees, 100,000 killed. The conflict spreading to uh, Lebanon, to Iraq, uh, uh, to Jordan being totally destabilized. But most of all, do we want to sit by and watch this, this terrible massacre taking place without at least aiding the opposition? And by the way, no one wants American boots on the ground. But to be satisfied with a continuous bloodletting that's going on, I think flies in everything we believe in and stand for.
2: The White House has sent a war resolution that was basically a blank slate, overly broad, and, of course, that was intentional, Mm -hmm. give lawmakers a chance Mm -hmm. to put their stamp on it, color inside the lines, et cetera. What is that going to look like by the time it's voted on? Obviously, the president has told Mm -hmm. you that they're going to support um, something more than just a punishment. They're going to arm the rebels. What else will that resolution look like?
1: Well, I hope it does not constrain the president of the United States. We cannot have 535 uh, commanders-in-chief. There's only one. And uh, if that resolution is too constraining, and I don't believe that it can be effective in anything but pinprick cruise missile strikes, then I can't vote for it.
2: Your own party has a rising strain of, you've called them isolationist, you can call them non-interventionist. In particular, the House vote is going to be an interesting uh, picture of the changing face of the Republican Party on these types of
1: issues. Oh, I agree, and I hope to convince my colleagues on this issue and then on immigration reform, uh, but you're right. They, not, if you, uh, non-interventionist is a appropriate word, but that means that we abandon America's role in the world. Americans are war-weary. Americans are skeptical because they have not heard anything from the president as to what our strategy and plan is. I think that the president of the United States should go to the Oval Office and talk to the American people directly and tell them what's at stake here and why he wants to have a congressional resolution. Which, by the way, if he was going to do that, he should have done it a long time ago, rather than wait until after uh, he had declared that we would strike. Now our credibility is at stake.
2: The evidence for the use of chemical weapons in Syria, uh, by what factor is it better than the evidence from Iraq from 2003? I mean, you've seen all the intelligence. You've had the briefings. Is it better evidence? Oh,
1: it's it's compelling and overwhelming. Just look at the bodies stacked up, with no visible wounds. I mean, there's, I mean, there is no doubt about it. And it is vastly different from Iraq, where uh, the Secretary of State told the United Nations Security Council that there was indications of its use and that that it was there. It's a vastly different set of evidence.
2: Senator but, McCain. But
1: but I understand the skepticism that Americans have. That's why the American people need to be talked to directly. Thank you, Senator. Thank you.
0: GOP Senator John McCain of Arizona speaking to Todd Zwillick. We'll be looking forward to events in Congress today, including hearings in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on the president's request for congressional authorization for intervention in Syria. We'll be looking at that with Todd Zwillick, who also spoke with New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez, the chairman of that committee. Menendez and Zwillick coming up. And some thoughts from you as well. Stuart Warren says, Any time we have inserted ourselves into another country's civil war, we have made things worse for the U.S. and the combatants. As someone who lost family in the Holocaust, I am sensitive to what happens when good people do nothing when faced with evil. While I agree that we should do something, I cannot support direct U.S. participation beyond arming the rebels, many of whom have extremist Islamist credentials, which in itself, says Stuart, is a slippery slope. Stuart hears us on Oregon Public Broadcasting, OPB in Portland. Christy McCarty asks at the is there evidence showing who used the chemical weapons? Diplomatic talks involving all parties at the table seems to be what has worked best to resolve conflicts of this sort. Let's use the International Criminal Court to punish the perpetrators. But first... Let's sit at the table to hammer out a peace process with compromise on all sides. Hammering out compromise, passionate views on whether the U.S. should intervene. What should the American role in the world be? Do you agree with Senator John McCain? More on Congress? Stay with us. This is The Takeaway. As Congress contemplates whether to intervene in Syria, it appears the main event won't be between the GOP and the Democrats. It will be between Democrats, members of that party. Will they be on board with an intervention in Syria? Will they agree with President Obama? Tom Cole, Republican congressman for Oklahoma's 4th District, said it best yesterday.
1: I think it depends first and foremost about how the president does in his own party. I mean, usually the core of the president's support, regardless of uh, the party of the president, is his own people. So you're going to have to have a very substantial Democratic vote to get there.
0: Are the Democrats of one mind on intervention in Syria? Joining us now is Todd Zwilich, Takeaway Washington correspondent. Todd, welcome. Hi, John. So is there a range of views within the Democratic Party? And we should note there are some very important hearings today where uh, the Senate for Foreign Relations Committee is going to hear from the administration, Chuck Hagel, and the senator, former senator John Kerry, now secretary of state. So it will be a very interesting
2: debate to see where Democrats stand here. One mind? it. It, it, absolutely not one mind. It's the case with Democrats and the case of Republicans. You just heard Senator McCain talking about the what, what he always refers to as the rising non-interventionist or even isolationist strain in his own party, saying that the House vote will say a lot about where Republicans are with conservatives, insurgent conservatives and Tea Party members in the House about whether they favor intervention in times like this. Of course, John McCain's a hawk. Robert Menendez is a hawk. And there are, of course, on the Democratic side, as Tom Cole just uh, just suggested, a lot of different minds. You have the traditional anti-war Democrats, progressives, liberals. They don't vote for wars. They didn't vote for Iraq. They won't vote for this. You have pro-Israel hawks, of course. John Kerry usually would count himself as among them. Bob Menendez, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, among them. Also liberal interventionists, the types of people who said, John, we should use American might in cases where there are humanitarian concerns. Kosovo was the right thing to do by Bill Clinton. We should have intervened in Rwanda when there was a genocide. That's where we should be using our military might. And the use of chemical weapons in Syria is also the place. So Democrats across the lines there. And you're going to see strains of that all over the map today in these hearings.
0: Let's talk about Menendez first. Is he the point man for the administration in the Senate as head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee? What have you found out?
2: Well, he is certainly one of them. I spoke to him this morning. He's going to be chairing that hearing today in the Foreign Relations Committee, part of the public and lawmaker education effort the president says he wants. Uh, Bob Menendez is a hawk. He has been looking for increased U.S. intervention in Syria. He's passed amendments trying to arm the Syrian rebels. And I asked him what he would be looking like, looking for rather, in a strike against Syria. Listen.
3: Our committee voted months ago, 15 to 3, in a bipartisan vote, to arm the Syrian vetted uh, rebels in order to give them the ability to fight for their own freedom. And it hasn't really happened. And and, and that really hasn't happened in a way that I think is necessary. So, uh, But as it relates to the present set of circumstances, my view is that uh, this is uh, about uh, punishing Assad. This is about deterring and degrading uh, significantly his ability to deliver further chemical weapons against innocent civilians. However, in doing so, you actually significantly degrade the regime's overall ability uh, to fight. And so I think that that is a byproduct here. But from my perspective, in terms of the use of the authorization of force, what we are looking at is punishing Assad for violation of international law, for killing innocent civilians, and sending a global message that the use of chemical weapons in contravention of international law cannot stand. And that message is very important, not only in Syria, it's important uh, in Iran where the Ayatollah is watching, are we going to ultimately uh, do what we say as he is contemplating his march towards nuclear weapons. It's also important in North Korea, as the dictator of North Korea says, how far can I get away with the type of actions that I've taken? He has a large chemical weapon cache. Do we send him a message? even consider that. Those are just some of the examples of why this is so important to our national security.
2: John, I also asked Senator Menendez what he wants from these hearings in terms of building consensus in the Congress, getting that vote, the 218 votes that they need in the House and the 60 in the Senate, and also getting consensus abroad. What does Israel think about a potential strike against a known enemy like Assad?
3: It seems to me that uh, a consequence of what we do is is hopefully to get Assad's patrons uh, like Russia to contemplate that the circumstances have changed dramatically inside of Syria and to seek the political uh, negotiation that we have sought from day one uh, and that the Russians uh, ostensibly were in support of. Uh, So if a byproduct of punishing Assad for the use of chemical weapons and killing innocent civilians uh, is to degrade his overall ability and gives the Russians cause to believe, that maybe we should ultimately end up uh, in a negotiation, uh, then that is, that is a, a, a positive result that we would like to see. My last question for you. Uh, what are your discussions
2: with Israeli officials like right now? What do they want to see out of this situation? Assad is an enemy, but he's a known enemy. He's predictable. They know him well. Uh, a lot of things could happen that could lead to an unpredictable situation. there. what are they saying to you about what they want out of this debate and a potential U.S. strike?
3: I think Israel uh, would recognize uh, that as we are dealing with Assad, uh, that if uh, chemical weapons can be used with impunity, Uh, then Hamas, Hezbollah might say, let's get access to it because the consequences uh, are non-existent. Uh, Or uh, if, in fact, uh, you send a message to the Ayatollah in Iran that, uh, you know, the United States bluffs, but at the end of the day I can march successfully towards nuclear weapons, uh, that is not uh, in, I would believe, the security interests of Israel.
0: Bob Menendez, their senator from New Jersey. Of course, the Israelis have not spoken specifically. We've got the French on board in this uh, international consensus and the Australians. Who's against this on the the House side among Democrats,
2: Todd? Well, among Democrats, you have the strong and traditional anti-war progressives. I spoke with Charlie Rangel, John. You remember him. Twenty two term uh, member of the House of Representatives. He represents Harlem in New York City and a decorated Korean War veteran says there are almost no circumstances in the current case where he would advocate going to war in Syria. Listen to Rangel.
1: When you say we are going to war, who the hell are we? I think that when this great nation is being attacked or it looks as though we're being threatened, all Americans should be prepared to pay some type of sacrifice it's truly unfair. I don't think there's enough evidence to declare war. And, and I never heard of what a limited war is anyway.
0: So, Todd, it seems like some sort of principled debate among Democrats whether to intervene with Republicans. Will it come down to whether they're in a position to embarrass the president, to to really say no to him that will determine how Republicans vote? They seem to be sympathetic to the idea of using American military power here.
2: There may be some Republicans, of course, who just don't want to vote for something that President Obama is for. But, John, beyond who the president is, there is a growing tide in Republican ranks among conservatives. McCain calls them isolationists. They don't think the United States should use its military to intervene overseas in these places. They're going to vote on that basis. McCain, the hawk, wants to tamp them down, even within his own party.
0: Two main events in the Republicans' and the Democrats' party. Very, very interesting. We'll be watching all day. Todd Zwilich, you'll be tweeting all day, Right. I will, from the hearings. We always want to hear from you. Give us a call at 877 my take Find us at facebook.com slash the takeaway. Weigh in on this debate. Thanks so much for listening. I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway.
1: The Takeaway is supported by the Henry Luce Foundation for
2: increased understanding of East and Southeast Asia and the Rockefeller Foundation, whose transportation initiative is promoting equitable and sustainable developments in communities
1: across the country.